Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships, so we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. I want to send you over to Acts chapter 6. We're working through a series we've called Sent. And so uh, if you would grab the the Bible, the device, whatever you're using this morning, head over to Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And one of the things uh, you can do is open up your app. You can go to engage the bottom there uh, has a little button on it. it says engage if you hit that you'll have the bible there it's already got the scriptures pulled up for you as well as message notes and you can take notes as we go along here this morning and uh, i want you to do that because we are covering a passage which is kind of difficult to be honest with you uh, let me ask you a question what do you do when you experience problems in your life and i'm, I'm sure you've probably run into one of those lately uh, we're, we're having all kinds of issues. Everybody's out of the norm, and certain problems arise. And my question is, what do you do? Uh, do, you, do you have a, a set method for how you deal with problems as they come up in your life? Or are you the type of person that every time a problem comes up, you're shocked, like you're surprised? Like that wasn't supposed to happen, and now I'm kind of in a tailspin. I'm not sure what to do. Uh, today, the, the lessons that we're going to learn from this passage I think will apply not only to churches, it's, it's going to be in the context of the early church, but I think it's going to apply to your relationships, your family, uh, your organization, if, you, if you're in business. Uh, it's going to apply to actually our society as well. If we follow these steps that we see in this passage today, we could take care of a lot of the issues that we're running into. Uh, today, um, I have a confession to make. I want you to know that Mountain View Fellowship is not perfect. I know that shocks all of you. I know, I know. Let me tell you why it's not perfect. You ready for this? Uh, because I'm a part of it. Because you're a part of it. Uh, we're messed up people. We're jacked up. We, we're not perfect. We, we screw things up all the time. And because of that, problems will arise. Things will happen within the body of Christ. And I want you to look at what happens and, and the problem that comes up, and I want you to look at how they deal with it in Acts chapter 6. And let's take a look at this. Starting in verse 1, we're just going to jump into it this morning because I think it's important that we take a, just a lesson from the early church. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that uh, for the first uh, couple of chapters, there, the apostles were given the mission by Jesus. He's risen from the grave. He gives them the, the commission to go out to preach the gospel, and then he ascends into heaven, and then they actually obey. They go out and they start doing it, and we see from an early, early uh, season in this church's history that because they're obedient, the church begins to grow. It explodes in growth, and as they grow, you're going to see something come up here. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 says, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were grumblings of discontent. I love that phrase, rapidly multiplied. I really think in Scripture, if there's an understatement, there's one right there. 
because if, you, if you've been paying attention in the last few weeks, you know that in Acts chapter 2, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They go out and they start preaching. And, and it says in one day, 3,000 people were added to their numbers. And then it goes on toward the end of that passage to say that God, get this, God added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. And then if you remember, uh, we were in Acts chapter 4. It says that Peter is preaching and he's arrested, but it says that they heard the gospel and that 5,000 people believed in that moment. Now, I don't know if it's, uh, we have 8,000 there, but uh, it could be 9,000, it could be 10,000 if they're adding to the numbers daily. I don't know exactly how many people we're talking about, but let me ask you a question. What would happen here if just in a short time we added eight, nine, ten thousand people to the numbers. Rapidly multiplied, right? Can you imagine what would happen? Uh, do you think things would change? Yeah, it'd have to change, right? Uh, because here's why it has to change. Where there is life, there is growth. And where there is growth, there is change. Uh, any of you that have raised kids, you know this to be true. Where there's life, there's growth, and where there's growth, there's change, meaning you've got to buy a new set of tennis shoes for that kid every two weeks, right? This is what happens. It happens the same way in a church as well. When, when there's life in a church, it's growing. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that big churches are the only churches that are right. That's not what I'm saying. I believe there's great growth in small churches as well. It depends on the context. And I'll say it this way. If there's, uh, there's something wrong with the church, whether it's big or small, that's not growing if it's surrounded by lost people. That's the key. It needs to be reaching lost people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This church was rapidly multiplying. It was exploding, if you will. And, and what we find out is there were rumblings of discontent. Why were there rumblings of discontent? Well, it's because where there's life, there's growth. And growth causes change. And change equals pain. Growth always causes pain. Growth always causes tension. Remember when you were, uh, I don't know, 8th, ninth, 10th grade, and you got that growth spurt, and you begin to grow, and, and you could feel it in your bones, like your, your thigh bones hurt, your, just everything hurt. You were, you were in what they call growing pains. This is common in, in physical growth, but it's also common in church growth as well. Growth causes tension. It causes pain. And so now we have a growing church we, that's rapidly multiplying, and we have an issue. Uh, they start to grumble. Now, let me ask you this. When problems arise, what do you do? How do you deal with it? Well, the first thing that they do, and if you're taking notes, this is your first fill-in blank. Um, as a church, when you experience problems, you have to, number one, guard against disunity. You have to guard against disunity. It's amazing to me that in this moment when the church is exploding, they're adding thousands of people to the church, that Satan, even though he can't, he's trying to attack from the outside, they've arrested the apostles, they've done everything that they can, and so now his attack has changed to go inside the church. And so the problem's coming from within, and, and Jesus, when he goes to the garden uh, the last night of his life, and he prays, the majority of that prayer is about unity. 
He prays for unity for his church. He, he prays that they would have the same unity that he experienced with his father, that exact same unity. This is important because where there's life, there's growth, and where there's growth, there's pain, there's tension. See, the devil knows mathematics. He understands when God sets out to multiply his kingdom, and so the, the devil steps in to try to divide, tries to destroy it. And sometimes it's over doctrinal issues, but I think the majority of the times it's not over doctrinal issues, it's over functional issues. Why aren't you serving this anymore? Why aren't we doing that anymore? You know what we should do? We should do this. Why is so-and-so, right? This is, where we're, this is where we go. And Satan sees his opportunity, and he drives a wedge in the church of Jesus Christ. So we always need to be on guard against disunity. We need to be sure that we're not ignorant to the devil's schemes, that we're aware of that we have an enemy that is actively working against the body of Christ. And we have to remember that sometimes what seems to be the smallest differences can actually grow into the largest problems. This is where a lot of churches, I think, find themselves fighting over things that are really never, should have never been an issue in the first place. And you know, Satan is very good at that. Not only within churches, but within marriages, within businesses, within organizations. Does a great job of taking something so minute, so small, and making it into a big problem. Now, where was this discontent coming from? What, what was it all about? If we continue in verse 1, it says, The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So you know what's happening here? Uh, th there's a group of people, and, and uh, maybe they, I don't know, they're, they're calling themselves the Greek-speaking believers matter, all right? And, and they're going out. And they're protesting, and, and they formed this group called GBM, and they're starting to really, like, jam up the gates of Jerusalem. The donkeys can't get in. Chariots are being stopped. And, and they're trying to make a point. Is this too soon? Uh, okay, sorry about that. No, I don't mean to offend with that. Let me just tell you what my point was with that. You ready? We think that what's happening today with discrimination, social injustice, racism, and everything else, we think that that's new. Somehow we think that this is something just new to our society. Can I tell you, uh, we just read it in Scripture. This has been going on for 2,000 years. And here's the other problem. Even within the church, we have to be on guard against disunity. That means not just in the church, but in our culture and society as well. And, and I look at this problem, and, and these Greek-speaking believers, were, were they had a legitimate complaint. Like, this wasn't just some of the widows slipped between the cracks. They just got lost in the shuffle because the church was growing so fast. This was actual discrimination. Like, no, you came from a different area. You speak a different language. We don't connect with you. We're going to neglect you. This is a real problem within the church that has to be addressed, or otherwise it's, it's going to be a major problem. It's becoming a real problem already. So whether it's our society or whether it's the church, the question isn't whether there is an issue. The question is how do we respond to the issue? It's not a question of is there a problem. 
Because we're all broken. We established that earlier. We're all sinful. We make mistakes. There's going to be problems. The question is, how do we respond to those? And can I just say, especially based on everything that's going on around our, cult, uh, our country right now, uh, there are correct ways of dealing with things and there are incorrect ways of dealing with things. I want you to look at how the church dealt with it. Take a look at verse 2. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. How'd they respond? Not, not by protesting, not by telling people what they're doing wrong and what they're doing right. That's not how they, they dealt with it. You know how they responded? They said, hey, we have to keep the focus on Jesus Christ. Uh, can I just say, whatever it is that you're dealing with in your family, in your life, in, in your school, at your job, church, whatever it is, it's the same problem and it has the same answer. It's the same problem, and the answer has always been Jesus. He's still the answer. He was the answer 2,000 years ago, and he's the answer today. And yet we've taken him completely out of the equation, and we wonder why we keep spiraling downward. Jesus is still the answer. When problems arise, number one, you have to guard against disunity. Number two, you have to stay focused. And I mean focused on Jesus, focused on the mission and this applies to the church, yes, but it, if you want to tie it to your marriage, can I just say, if, if Christ was the focus of your marriage, you might not have as many problems as you're dealing with today. See, when we draw closer to Jesus, we draw closer to each other. This, this is the answer for all the problems. And I know you're going to say, well, you're just a pastor, you're supposed to say that, but you don't know my job. Can I just tell you, Jesus is the answer. Whether you want to admit that or not, he has always been the answer, and he will always be the answer, and we have to stay focused on him. Uh, several years ago at, at Mountain View Fellowship, we realized that we had lost our focus. We just got scattered, and we were going in 25,000 different directions and doing all these different things, and we weren't accomplishing the mission that God gave us, and we began to refocus the church back then, and we, we zeroed in on what it was that we were supposed to do here. We said, when we boil it all down, that if we were doing what we were called to do, that we would see baptized people baptizing people. We would see people one to Christ, and we would see people who were one to Christ discipling those people. We would see people who were one to Christ winning people to Christ. We would see baptized people baptizing people. Are you with me? So evangelism, discipleship, both happening at the same time. That was our focus. Everything else we were going to let go of, and we were going to focus on that one thing. Why? Because we said teaching the Word of God is what we're supposed to be doing, not running a food program. We're running into the same problem every church runs into, mission drift, losing our focus, losing our way. You have to stay focused. And, and so here at Mountain View Fellowship, that's, that's what our focus was. That's what it will always be. Because when we start losing our way, guess what happens? Churches turn inward, and it becomes more of a Jesus country club than, than a world-saving arm of, of the church we got to do a better job of reaching those who are lost those who are far from god because that's what we're called to do so how did they decide to stay focused what was their plan what was their next step take a look at verse three and so brothers select seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom 
three things they listed out. You're going to go find seven of these brothers and bring them to us. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. I learned from this text that a church is made up of every single one of us. See, one of the biggest problems I think in the American church today is they make it about the pastor or about the worship pastor or about, you know, the the missions pastor. They make it about somebody on staff and, and somebody who's charismatic, somebody who they like and they, they want to hear them speak or them sing. And, and we make it about one person. And, and, it, and can I just say that's so wrong? Again, we have to stay focused on Jesus. It should be about Jesus, not about one person. And the church is made up of more than just a couple of people on staff. It's the entire body. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where it talks about every one of us being a part of the body of Christ. And, and all together, we are Christ's body and each one of us are a part of it. And, and without one of one part or the other, we struggle, we suffer because of that. Can I just say in order for Mountain View Fellowship to do what it needs to do, we need all of you doing what you're called to do. In order for us to do what we do, we need you to do what all of you need to do. That's how the church becomes the church. Dr. Martin Luther King once said, anyone can be great because anyone can serve. We all have the opportunity to plug in, engage, and allow God to use us in a mighty way. And even Jesus declared in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he said he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He was giving his life away for others. And, and, uh, and one night before he was crucified, he, he got on a knee and he grabbed a towel and he washed the disciples' dirty feet. By this one simple gesture, he actually showed us forever what sort of man he was and what sort of people we should be. We should be servants. He came to serve, and in his death on the cross, he, he served all of humanity. And, and then he extended that to us, and then he asked us to do the exact same thing, to turn around and serve one another. And was Jesus great? I mean, that's a dumb question, isn't it? We all know the answer to that. Yes, he was. But the reason he was great is because he was God's servant. And so in that, Dr. Luther King was saying, look, you have the same opportunity to serve this almighty God who can do something greater and better through, the, through you than you could ever imagine. See, the body's healthy when every part's functioning properly. It says, the, the disciples say, look, grab these seven guys and we will give them this responsibility. See, we need everyone taking responsibility for the mission Figuring out what your passions are, what God ha- how God has gifted you and what he's calling you to accomplish. What is your ministry? Because when we all figure that out, the church is focused on, on reaching the lost and, and discipling people and raising them up to live a, a lifestyle that honors God. If we're doing that, and, and as you do it yourselves and you find where you fit and what your mission is, this is how the widows and orphans are cared for. This is how the homeless are fed. This is how prisoners are reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ about forgiveness. This is how single moms find out that they don't have to do it on their own. This is how elderly people find out that they're not alone because we all take our own ministry and we begin to live that out. And just because Mountain View Fellowship doesn't have a food bank doesn't mean we can't feed the homeless. But it's through the people listening to the calling of God on their lives and being obedient is how he gets his work done. Let me ask you, what is your ministry? 
What is it that you're supposed to be doing? Verse 5, after they've listened to the idea, it says everyone liked this idea and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorius, Nicanor, Timon, Paramenus, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert of the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. I, I love the fact that they didn't get together and say, hey, we got this issue. Is it really an issue? Um, I don't know. Let's, let's pray and delay. Let's do that. Right? Uh, they didn't take that road. They, they took it, hey, we know what God's called us to do. Let's accomplish it. Let's get it done. And, and these seven men demonstrate the fact that we can't just sit back and grumble about issues. We have to own them, and we have to, listen, take action. We've got to take action. See, when problems arise, we have to first guard against disunity. Secondly, we have to stay focused. And then thirdly, we have to continue working toward a solution. I, I see so many people stall out, like they're afraid to act, they're afraid to try something. And I'll promise you this, I've learned this, you will make mistakes. And it's okay. Because even in those mistakes, you're learning and you're growing and, and God is still moving and working. And even if you have to adjust a little bit as you go, that's okay, but you have to move. You know what the difference in an initiative and a, and a movement is? One's a thought, the other one's actually doing something. Now, want to know what happens if you, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's a business, whether it's in a church, if, if you face a problem and you guard against disunity, you stay focused and you continue working toward a solution, you know what happens in that moment? Take a look at verse 7. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. This issue could have crippled the church. This new little thing that God was growing in Jerusalem, this, this new church has just started to explode, just started spreading the word of Jesus Christ. It could have been crushed by this problem. If they had ignored it, if they had pretended that, like it wasn't there, if they had mishandled it. But what, they, what did they do? They guarded against disunity. They wanted to make sure that, that they focused on Jesus and that they worked towards some type of solution. They had to address it. They had to fix it. This issue could have killed the church, caused it to stumble and fall, but instead, because they handled it correctly, the church continued to grow. It exploded. And don't miss the last line either. It says, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. These are people who hated the gospel. These are people who were actively working against the spread of this new church. And in the midst of all of this, they were converted to Christianity as well. See, when you and I guard against disunity and we stay focused and we continue working toward a solution, I believe that the church is one of the most powerful, culture-altering, world-changing tools in the hand of God. The question is, are we willing to follow him in that? Do we want to be a part of something like that? Now, I read this passage, and I get excited for the church because I, get, I know that God protects his church. He takes care of his church. But he also has a desire that his church would multiply, that it would grow, that it would, it would reach those who are far from him, those who he came and gave his life for. So if you're a believer here this morning, I want you to know 
uh, I want you to pray this week that God would form your heart around that calling, that that you would take this mission seriously, that you would pray about where it is that you fit in, that we wouldn't sit back and grumble about things, but we would be excited about what the next season is because we know God's in control. Thanks for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. We gather each Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, we'll meet you right back here next week. God bless.